Good morning, church family. How's everybody doing out there? Will you stand to your feet as we are about to worship the Lord in song? I just want to say when I'm looking out there, I've been praying for rain. I don't know about you, but the Lord has delivered. Amen. <laughs> He's come through in a big way. Some of you are probably like too much rain, but rain to me is always a reminder of God's love. Amen. Creates things, allows things to grow. And that's what we're going to sing about today is God's love. Let's sing together. Put your hands together. When night is falling, when fear is coming, still you're calling me. When faith is lost and my hope exhausted, you will be my strength. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. I've decided I'm not giving up, cause you won't give up on me. You won't give up on me. Your love is holding on and it won't let go.
There were walls between us By the cross you came and broke them down You broke them down There were chains around us By your grace we are no longer bound No longer bound You call me out of the grave You call me into the light You call my name and then my free from sin and today we live we have freedom in you Jesus we love you we thank you for bringing us into your house to lift you up to worship you Lord and Lord allow the hearts of our people of your church Lord just be open to your word today be open to what you have for them in Jesus name amen be seated 
opportunity in the service every week to take communion and to partake of the elements that we have out here at different stations. And they're double cupped. If you haven't been here before, of the bread and the juice together in one cup. But I was reading this week uh, that there was a devotion. It was by a lady named Emily Massey. She talked about whenever she graduated college is when she gave her heart to the Lord. And she was looking for that next leading. Where am I going to go? And she had planned to go out to Hollywood. She wanted to be an actress. She wanted to go out there and see if she could be a star. But she started to just deal with what does God want? And during that moment, during that time in her life, she was reaching out to people, trying to figure out what does God want? And she kept getting a lot of the same things. Sometimes it's it's an innocent thing to say, but sometimes we say, just follow your heart. Have you heard that before? Just follow your heart. It's a model sometimes. It's easy to say, but there's scripture to say differently. In Jeremiah 17, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? As Christians, sometimes we fall into the trap of giving into man's words more than the weight of the word of God. That's why it's so so important to be in God's word. Because during that moment in your life, you need that direction. And a lot of you know this scripture. It's in Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Another scripture says, if we delight in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. Amen. Sometimes we think differently about that scripture, but as we begin to put him first, seek him, those desires start to line up with with our father, with our heavenly father. So today, I just pray that you would lean on his understanding lead on his word and not man's word let's pray heavenly father we're so thankful that your word if we keep it in our hearts we stay close to you psalm says i I hide the word in my heart so that i may not sin against you Father, we thank you for that today. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. We thank you for his body that was broken today, that was poured out. Thank you for suffering and dying for me, Jesus. It's in your name I pray.
There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are.
to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Comfort this place and feel the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long to be. Praise the Lord. Be seated. My name is Hannah, and this is my brother Connor. I'm going to be baptizing him today. I am so excited because I'm his sister, and I've just been waiting for this moment for him for a long time. And I'm just so excited that he picked me, and it's such an honor to be able to um, just follow along with him uh, through this walk that he has coming up. And um, I just can't wait to see what God has in store for you next. So are you ready? Okay, repeat after me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And I accept him. And I accept him. As my personal Lord and Savior. As my personal Lord and Savior. Because of your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. My friend Peter, Peter and I have been friends for a couple of years, and Peter came to me several weeks ago and said, you know, I've been baptized as a kid, and, and I really don't know if I knew what I was doing then, and it didn't really mean as much, but now it would mean a lot. So I'm thrilled to be able to be here with Peter and to be able to do this with you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Bobby. So repeat after me. I believe... I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. And I accept Him. And I accept Him as my personal Lord and Savior. As my personal Lord and Savior. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, upon your profession of faith in Him, I baptize you, my friend Peter, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit.
Amanda and, and Ben, um, they came up to me last Sunday and Amanda just said, you know, I know I need to do this. And she grew up in an Episcopalian church and they came, this is only their fifth week here at Shelby Christian. And they came and they love it. And not only is she going to get baptized, she's getting it done on their first wedding anniversary. So Amanda, repeat after me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. Son of the living God. And I accept him. I accept him. As my personal Lord and Savior. My personal Lord and Savior. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Amanda, in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. see life change right before your eyes, right? I, I, I know, I have a feeling that with, with all three of those, and we have another one coming in the next hour, um, there are stories, right, behind those, those, um, those baptisms and those lives. You can just kind of uh, just sense it, that there's, there's a lot that God's doing there uh, in those folks' lives. And I know he's done that in a lot of your lives as well. And I know he will continue to do that in the lives of people uh, here in our community who every week come to an understanding of what Jesus has done for them and how much he loves them and the sacrifice he's made and what he's calling us to as Christians in the way that we live our lives. Hey, uh, Bobby mentioned earlier, uh, sorry, Stu mentioned earlier that um, sometimes rain can be a blessing and that's true, but sometimes rain can be... Uh, could be a curse, right? And we know that um, all too well this week with our, our friends and our, our um, um, folks that we know and, and maybe you know some folks and um, Kentuckians in the eastern part of the state that are just dealing with devastation uh, because of rain and flood. And so I want to let you guys know 
how we're trying to uh, address some of those needs that we know about and we'll continue to know about here at church. We're going to approach the the needs in eastern Kentucky just like we did with the tornadoes uh, in western Kentucky. We have some connections. We got some calls out. We're trying to make some connections with some churches and some pastors. One of the things that we uh, do have is Crossroads Missions is a partner and they actually have a field in eastern Kentucky in Mayfield or no not Mayfield Maytown Mayfield's in western Maytown uh, in eastern Kentucky and so they actually have a field already there working there I've actually been there on a mission trip Um, and so we're going to connect with those folks this week to try to figure out how we can help more Um, what we want to let you guys know about today is there are white buckets at the doors if you want to give and over the month tomorrow's August 1st but over the month of August uh, as we are in this room next week we won't be in this room but the the next uh, rest of the month if you guys would if you want to give toward uh, just any kind of relief for Eastern Kentucky you can put it in those white buckets also um, Lowe's gift cards would be appropriate we can get those to folks so that they uh, in the area can buy the things that, that they may need in the next uh, days and weeks and months to come. This is a little different than uh, the tornadoes because that happened and then you could kind of go in and, and start to kind of help. Right now, it's, there's still a lot of water and so there's not, you guys know, you've seen the news and, and been watching it. Uh, so we're just kind of waiting to see how we can really help. Um, if you want to give online, you can do that as well through the month of August. If you go on and if you do anything in it, the together tab, you'll, you'll see on that it'll drop down say together. That's our mission stuff. If you give in the month of August to together, we'll make sure that gets to Eastern Kentucky as well. So you can drop off checks or whatever and write in the memo, Eastern Kentucky, flood victims, that kind of stuff. Uh, we got a couple of good leads. Tim Sturgill is from Whitesburg and he uh, has uh, some friends there. So we're trying to talk to the mayor and some folks there and some other pastors and churches to try to connect and say, Hey, how can we send some finances? How can, what do you guys need? What do you, what's going on there? So we're trying to work all that out. I'll be working on that probably a lot this week as this part of missions and outreach that I do here. So just wanted to give you an update on that, let you know kind of where we are. Be looking on social media uh, this week as well, and we'll have all that kind of laid out for folks as we kind of go forward. But really in the month of, month of August, if you want to give, you can drop that off during the week in the office, put it in the buckets, online, all those things are, are available, all right? Um, today, uh, we're, we're starting, or we're going through uh, chapter four of James. We've been going through this last month, just chapter by chapter by chapter, and today we're in chapter four. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and grab those, open up. We're going to be in James chapter 4 this morning. Next week we'll finish it uh, out at the park. Uh, James chapter 5. Dave will wrap it up out there next week. But what we've seen in this letter that James, the brother of Jesus, wrote um, to some Christians in the first century is that he, it's a very practical it's a very profound, it's a, it's a letter, it's words that we can look at and read and apply to our lives today. They are very powerful. And so that's why we've been spending some time looking through this over the last three weeks. What, what, what's interesting about James, and I love just his, his honesty as, as a person. He was one of those, I mentioned this the first week, he was one of those people who when, when Jesus was teaching and when Jesus was, was going about in his ministry and just growing up as his brother, right? James wasn't into, like he didn't, he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't believe that, that this was God's son. He was really hesitant. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't until after the resurrection that James said, okay, if you can do that, I'm in, right? And so James begins to, to believe that Jesus is the son of God and his life, the rest of his life is dedicated to his brother's ministry and to his brother's words and the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he writes this letter 
right? In, in the first century to these Christians, he said, I want to encourage you. I want to equip you. I want to, I want to give you some commands. I want to give you some, some guidance. I want to give you some kind of guardrails to live your life, right? And so when we read it, when we look at it today, what we understand is it's really powerful. It's really profound. And there's a lot in there for us today. Last week, we talked about how there's this true wisdom that comes from God. And then there's this wisdom that the world kind of offers us. That's false wisdom is a little bit about uh, what uh, Stu was talking about. I mean, sometimes you listen to your heart and you're like, your heart can lead you astray. And the world will say, well, you just do what you want to do. You just listen to your heart. You kind of choose your own path and go your own way. <clears throat> God comes along and says, no, there's this standard. There's this profound truth and it's found only in me. And so what James is going to ultimately say in this part of the letter, letter that we're going to read today is that life is about trusting that God is in control <clears throat> and that he is sovereign that he is this all-powerful all-knowing sovereign being that we can trust now when you when we say when someone stands up and says you should trust god and you say that to a bunch of christians it's like oh yeah we know that that's simple we should trust god we, we know that we should trust god we believe god believe in god we follow god right but then when you kind of stop and think about your life and the way you live your life and the choices that you make in your life. Do those reflect a heart and a life and an attitude that says, God, in every area, at every turn and in every corner of my life, I'm going to be mindful that you're in control and that I'm not and that you're good and I'm not and, and that I can trust you, that we can trust you Right? It's hard in every situation and every step you take in life every day to wake up and go, God, I'm going to really have to trust today that, that you're in control because I want to take, are you guys like me? There are days, there are situations and it's a battle every day where I want to pull the reins back. I want to be in control. I want to call the shots. I, I got, I think I need, I know what's best for my life, right? And so that's, there's that tension. And so what James is going to show us today is, is that there's this attitude about arrogance and humility. He's going to talk about what arrogance looks like and he's going to talk about what humility looks like in our lives and what God's calling us to in this part of the letter. So let's go ahead and read James chapter four. It's only 17 verses. So it's another short chapter, but here's what it says. Verse one, it says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Apparently, James is addressing um, a church here that was kind of dealing with some stuff that he, he knows that they're not getting along. Some, some, there are some issues. And he, he said, what's, what's causing all this? What's causing these quarrels and these fights among you? You ever, you ever been in a fight with someone? You ever had a quarrel with someone? You ever been in conflict with someone? My guess is there's a bunch of us in this room right now that this week you had crosswords with somebody about something, right? And you got in an argument. You got in a, a heated discussion, right? And you walk away from that and you go, oh, man, I blew it. I said things I shouldn't have said. I wish that wouldn't have happened, right? And so James is addressing this. It, it's applicable to them, but it's also applicable to us. What's causing these quarrels and these fights among you? D don't they come, look, look at what he says, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you do not have, and so you scheme and you kill to get it, James says. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, and so you fight. And you wage war to take it away from them. 
Yet, you do not have what you want because you do not ask God for it. Interesting, right? Look at this next verse. And even when you ask, you do not get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what you what will give you pleasure. What's James talking about? He's getting to the heart of the matter. That there are these evil desires that control us. There are these things inside of us that bubble up from time to time, right? This sin that bubbles up. And we we have certain motives and we have certain desires and we have certain pleasures. And James has said, you're, you're allowing those things, right, in your life to control you. You're allowing all of that to be at the center of your life. And, and what he's going to address here is that there's this hor- horrible emptiness inside of us that wages war. It's within us and around us. And we're looking for peace. We're looking for fulfillment. We're looking to have that emptiness filled. And what we do as humans, as we search this world over, looking for it. You've done that. I've done that. Like, I, I can find this in this thing. If I can only obtain this thing, right, this object or, or this job or have this relationship, if I can only get to reach this status in, in the world, right, if I can only get here and have this thing, then that's going to fulfill me, right? And then you get there and what do you realize? It's not fair to uh, expect another person in a relationship to fulfill you. They can't do that. It, it's, 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 it's futile to, to search after a job or money or success or fame or prestige or whatever to, to fill that. Because we know, all of you guys know that have done that, you get to the end of that or in the middle of that and you go, it's still there. There's still this emptiness. I'm still not at peace. And what James is saying here is that we continue to search after the things of this world. We're motivated by the things of this world that we think will give us pleasure. And they may give us pleasure, but it's only going to be temporary. And so what James says is the reason that we feel this way is because we, we haven't asked God to fulfill us. And it's interesting what he says there. He says that when we do pray, we have the wrong motives. We pray for the wrong things. We, we, we say, God, I want, I want this in my life or I want that. Will you give me this? Will you give us that? You know, right? And so James is saying there's these wrong motives that we pray about. And so we can ask God and he'll give us the good things in life. But sometimes we ask for the wrong things. We ask God to give us certain things and we have certain desires and we have certain passions. And we think that this world, right? If that this world will provide everything that I need, everything that I want, everything that I desire. And so we we look at the next verse because this is this is a warning. When we pursue this world to find pleasure, look at what James says in verse four. He says, You what's that word? Adulterers. D- don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourselves an enemy of God. Whoa, right? None of us, I dare say, would want to be an enemy of God. Would would, would want God to consider us his enemy. Do you think that the scriptures have no meaning, James says? They say that God is passionate and that he has a a spirit that he has placed within us that we should be faithful to him. And then verse 6 says, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. James calls those who who think this way 
adulterers. It's this attitude that that we could find ultimate fulfillment in a relationship with God, yet we pursue the things of this world. James is saying, God is offering you something, the key to all of this. And it's in a relationship with Jesus Christ, yet we continue to pursue the things of this world. It's, he, God is willing, He's willing to meet every one of our needs, but instead, we think we need something else. And so we ask the one who loves us to give us something to replace Him and bring us temporary pleasure. Think about that for a second. Think about the irony of that. Think about the foolery of that. To look at God and say, I know that you created us. You created me and you know me. You know how I'm wired. You know what I need, right? But instead of a relationship with you, James says, the heart of an adulterer says this. I think this other relationship... Right? And what, what is a, an adultery, what does it say? It says, this other relationship will give me more than the one that I'm committed to, so I'm going to pursue this other love, right? That's what it is. It's so to look at the love of your life and say, you know what? I think there's something else over here that's going to provide me more of what I'm looking for, more pleasure. I desire this more. And so I'm going to forsake this love and I'm going to go after that love. That's what adultery is. And James says, you're an adulterer when you treat God that way. When you say, hey, this world, it, it's, it's shiny, it, it looks, looks enticing, it looks pleasurable, and so I'm going to go after the things of this world, and I'm going to pursue those things. And James says, when we act this way, we are adulterers. And we are not just adulterers, but we are also enemies of God. James is describing an attitude that says, God, you actually aren't enough for me. Can you give me this other stuff? God, you're, you're just not enough. All right, we sing, God, you're everything. God, you are enough. God, you're my all, right? But then we live sometimes in ways that are not like that, that are different than that. They say, God, I think this other thing is going to provide me what you can't provide me. And James says here, his warning is, is that when we act this way, when we start pursuing these things, we become an enemy of God. That's such a strong phrase. God is looking at us and saying, because of your behavior, I'll consider you my enemy. And so I think we need to ask ourselves this morning this question. And I, am I in love with this world so much that I'm not trying to find fulfillment in you, God? Is, isn't it easy, though, to get so in love with this world? To get so in love with the things and the comforts of this world? And to start to your thinking and your mind, this truism versus false. It's easy to get knocked off course and, and to think, oh, well, look at what, what my friends are pursuing, what this world is pursuing. It's like, oh, this must be the path, right? And James comes along in chapter 4 and he says, you need to stop. You, you need to understand there's a warning here. When you start to treat a relationship with God like this, that you can take it or leave it, that you can just set it on the shelf on Monday morning and, and live however you want to live during the week, and you can come back on Sunday and bring it back out and, and, uh, and kind of play with this relationship, right? James has said, when you do that, you're an adulterer. And God looks at you and considers you his enemy. And when, I, when we read those words, man, it... It's, it's startling and it's clear and it should be a stark reminder to us about who has our heart and what we give our heart to. James is clear. He, he says we can't have both. We can't have that, all that God wants to give us 
and pursue the things of this world. We have to choose. We can't have, now the things that, that God's going to give us, he, he's going to give us things that this world will look at and go, well, that's not worth much, right? But he's going to give us the things that, that we can't buy, that we can't purchase, that we can't work towards, right? God's going to give us things like, like peace and joy. And, and happiness, even in the middle of, of difficult times. He's going to give us a perspective on this life and a hope for eternity. Those are things that you can't purchase in this world. And James says we have to choose. What are we going to pursue? What kind of life are we going to live? And then he says it's okay if, if we've made ra- bad, uh, wrong choices in the past. Look at verse 6 again. He gives grace generally, uh, generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud... But he gives grace to the humble. God is good and he gives us grace generously. Look at verse 7. So humble yourselves before God, James says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You ever feel like your loyalty is divided. You, you ever feel like you're like, you, you're like, it's like this mind that's like a double-minded thing. Like, man, I know what God wants and I know, I know what, what I should do and I know what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do, but man, I'm going to go over here and do what the world's calling me to do because that looks like a path I should take. And so James says, you need to come clean. You need to wash your hands, purify your hearts. Your loyalties divide. And look what he says in verse, the next verse, verse nine. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. There's a, a, a sadness. There's a reality to what James is writing here. He says, we need to stop and we need to be mournful. Of the way we live our lives, the, the, the things that we think about this world and what it can offer us. James says we need to come clean with God and stop with the arrogant ag- attitude, this selfish ambition. And he says we need to submit to Him. And, and right here, James gives three ways I think that we can submit to God. Look at what they are. They're on the, still on the screen. The first one says, he says, resist the devil, right? James is big on, on recognizing that Satan is there. He writes this throughout his letter. Hey, Satan is there. He seeks to, to destroy you. The Bible says that he is roaming the earth like a lion. And he wants to to devour us. He wants to kill us. He wants to end our spiritual lives. And James says you need to be aware that you're in a war. and, And Satan wants to attack you. And so you need to resist that. You need to flee from that. You need to run from that. We talked about that in week two with the temptations that we face in life. Then he says you need to draw near to him. You need to draw closer and lean in on Him when everything around you looks like it's chaos and it's falling apart. We don't run from God, right? Sometimes when things happen, people have, you have one or two, one of two choices, right? As a Christian, something really bad happens, you're like, well, God's done this and I hate Him now and He's forsaken me and I'm going to run away from Him. Or you can look at the situation and go, okay, God, I'm going to lean in. 
to this relationship with you. I'm going to draw closer to a relationship with you in the middle of this. And I know a lot of you have been in in difficult, horrible situations in the past. And what you've chosen to do is you've chosen to lean into the Lord. You've chosen to lean in and draw closer to Him in the middle of those things. And so James reminds us here is that in the middle of whatever we're dealing with, the battles that are going on outside of us or inside of us, that we need to draw near to Him. And then the third thing he says here is that we need to be serious about our sins. We need to to recognize that sin is going to destroy us if it's left unattended to. If we don't recognize that it's sin in our lives and say, God, this is not good. I need to repent of this. Will you forgive me of this? As I go forward, God, send your Holy Spirit to lead me and to guide me and to walk with me so that I don't keep running into this over and over. Will you be tempted? Yes, you'll continue to be tempted, but you don't have to give in to that. And so James says, we need to be serious about our sin. Look at this phrase. When we come to the end of ourselves, right? When you come to the end of yourself and you say, I give, I give up. I can't do this anymore. I've done it my way for, for, for years and it's just not working out, God. I'm, I'm at the end of, of myself. Maybe it's rock bottom, whatever you want to call it. When we come to the end of ourselves, we find God there ready to forgive us and to redeem us. But James says the first thing we have to do is we got to get serious about our sins. Look at what he says next in verse 11. He says, do not speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? And so James says we need to to stop fighting amongst ourselves, within ourselves, and we need to find fulfillment in God alone. He reminds us here. That he's the judge in the end. That one day we will stand before him and receive our sentence. One day every man and every woman. The Bible, there there are certain things that the Bible is not, doesn't speak about and is not clear about. And we could debate those things. But here's something that it's clear about. One day we all will stand before God and give an account of our lives. To the only one that we're accountable to. To him. And he's going to look at our lives. And he's either going to see a friend. Or what James talked about earlier. An enemy. The the one, the only one. That gets to make a decision about how we live our lives. And what, what that day will be like. Is you and me. We can't rest on our grandparents' faith. We can't rest on our parents' faith. It's not church attendance. It's not mission trips. It's not how much you gave. It's about what's in your heart and how you lived your life. And James says, if you continue to pursue this world, God's going to look at you and consider you an enemy. But if you find fulfillment in Him and Him alone... It's going to be a different outcome. And our job is to pursue Him and draw closer to Him every day through a relationship with His Son, Jesus. That's what James is writing about here. And look at verse 13. He says this. Look here. 
You who say, today or tomorrow we will, we will be going to a certain town and we will stay there for a while. We will do this business there and then make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. Another uh, version says a mist. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to do this, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own, look at this, your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. This is interesting because James says, you know, we make these grand plans about life. I make plans. I make preparations. And I've said, I've even said recently, in the next year, in the next five years, in the next 10 years. And you know what? Sometimes when, when we make all these grand plans about life, God looks at that sometimes and just laughs because he's like, how, you don't, you, you, James says, you are not guaranteed another moment. Your life in the grand scheme of things, James says here, is a mist. It's a fog. You're here one moment and then you could be gone the next. He says God is the one that's in control. And so when you approach him, don't have these pretentious plans. Don't don't boast about what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Understand that if it's the Lord's will, these things will happen. There, There does not seem to be a sin that God hates more than pride. There doesn't seem to be anything that God talks about more in the Bible than than a prideful heart. Someone who says, you know what? This is about me and I'm going to make my own plans and do my own things. And I'm not going to worry about what God wants. I'm going to choose my own path. And so maybe our prayer today should be to ask God to show us if there's any prideful attitude in your heart, in your mind. Is there a, a corner of, of your heart that, says, that continues to say, you know what, this is, this is where I'm going to continue to call the shots. God, I'm going to give you, I'll give most of it over to you. I'll, I'll, I'll come to church. I'll be in a Bible study. I'll, I'll do some of these things that, 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 that you know, the, the church has asked me to do. But I'm going to keep this little corner of my heart, of my life to myself. And it's going to be this little prideful thing that you have. And God looks at us and he says, how dare you? How dare you continue to to live that way? In this part of the letter, James is addressing this arrogance that makes plans apart from God. James reminds us that every breath we take, it's in his hands. We're a fog or a mist, here one moment and then gone the next. So when we boast about these things and we think about tomorrow or next week or next year, James says we're we're willing and we're unwilling to just submit to the Lord. I, I plan, you should plan for, for some of those things. But when you, uh, in the grand scheme of things, you go, you know, if the Lord is willing, right? You, I've heard that before. Somebody said, I'll see you tomorrow. And somebody will say, you probably heard this, Lord will, and I'll see you tomorrow, right? That, this is kind of where that attitude comes from. Lord, if you will it, it will be. But if you choose something else, that's fine too. The humility of someone who says, God, you're in control, you're sovereign, and I'm not. That's what James is talking about here. It's this submission to God. He's addressing a, the, the, this sovereign God. I want you to look at what, what sovereignty means. Sovereignty means supreme power or authority. It's saying this, God, you know all, you see all, and you are in control. I have to tell you, there are a lot of days, and I'm like, in the one, in like, I'm in the middle of one of them right now, where I'm like, God, I'm so glad you're in control of this situation because I don't know what to do. 
Like literally today, as I stand here in front of you, I'm in the middle of this in my, my life. And I don't know why to this afternoon, we, our family may have to make some hard decisions. And this week, our family may have to make some hard decisions. And I'm standing here telling you that the prayer that is on my mind and on my heart is, God, I'm glad you're in control of this. <laughs> you ever been there? God, I'm glad you are in control because I'm not. You are sovereign and you know all. And I'm going to trust that in the middle of this, you know what's best. Because I don't. And then submission says, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go tomorrow. Your plans are my plans. Your will is my command. And so James is saying that everything else is wrong and evil. Look at what he says in verse 16. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. He says that if we could give, James says, we should give God complete control over our tongues and our bodies and we should say what he wants us to say and go where he wants to go. And this is interesting. It, 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 it's clear. If it's clear, because a lot of times what we do is we say, um, all right, God, I recognize what you don't want me to do. Right? And there's this list of these things, right, that we can come up with. But what James is saying here is it's clear. After reading scripture, if it's clear to you that you should say something or that you should do something and you choose not to do it, look at this. James says that's a sin as well. Verse 17, it is sin to know that you ought to do what you ought to do, and then you don't do it. If you know you should do something, and you just choose not to act, or you know you should say something, and you choose to stay silent, James says that's, that's a sin. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do something, or to say something, and you stay silent, or you stay inactive, James says... That you're a sinner. The Bible says that you're a sinner. So we often think of a sin not in that way. It's not just giving in to temptations like we talked about in chapter 1. It's also resisting the urging of the Holy Spirit to act and to speak. And so James says, when we neglect God's calling to act, we're sinning. And this letter, I love this letter because it's all about doing Rather than talking. And God reveals his plans for you. And he gives us our marching orders. And he says, James says, we better listen. If we don't do it, we rebel against God. And so here's another thing you can remember. Sin is not just about resisting the temptations of Satan. Sin is also resisting the will of God. It's not just about resisting Satan and sin and temptations. But it's also saying, God, I I know this is what you want me to do. I'm just not going to do it. (laughs) God, I know this is what you want me to say. I'm just not, uh, it's going to cause, like, if I say that in the middle of this conversation, people are going to, I'm going to drop a bomb in the middle of this whole con, and like, it's going to, like, people are going to, like, people are going to think I'm weird, or people are going to, whatever, like, and I know you want me to say this, I know you want me to do this, I know you want me to go here, and, but I'm just not going to do it. James says that's, that's sin. An arrogant, selfish, prideful heart says, God, I know what you want me to do, I'm just not going to do it. And so authentic faith Sets aside pride and it rides with God's plan. I, I want to conclude this morning with this story. This is from Matthew chapter 6. These are Jesus' words. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Jesus says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable, 
to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? If you're a warrior, anybody a warrior? If you're a warrior, you've probably found that worrying about something, it doesn't fix it, it doesn't help with it. And and, and Jesus said it's not going to add a single moment to your life. In that situation. Look at what he says next. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothes. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Jesus said. So don't worry about the thing, these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts Of who? Of unbelievers, of pagans. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And then Jesus said this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. What does humility look like? It looks like the proper view of who we are and who we're not. Your not God. I'm not God. But we're also someone who God loves. And He's promised to take care of our needs. If we come before Him in the right way, with the right motives, and to humbly say, God, you're all-knowing. You're supreme in all this. You're the creator of it all. All that's seen and unseen. And I don't have any of the answers, but I know you have all of them. And I know that you are a good God who loves me, who loves us. And God, I'm going to trust you in the middle of the storm. And so this is the question we have to ask ourselves. And then we're finished. Do you believe? Do you believe? That he's a good God. That he's going to give you everything that you need. Is he good? And is he worth submitting to? Or not? That's the question you have to answer today. As you leave this room. Have you submitted your life to him? Some of you can say yes. God, you've, I've given it all to you. I can't, there's nothing else. Uh, God, reveal to me. If there's a part of my life, uh, you send your Holy Spirit to, to correct me and reveal that to me. If there's a part of my life that I haven't submitted to you yet, show me and that, I will take care of that today. And that, and that may be your attitude. Maybe there's some of the rest of us that are like, you know what? There are these things that I'm just not ready to get over, give over to you yet, God. I want to kind of keep a little back for myself. I want to keep a little of this attitude back for myself. I got this little thing over here on the side, right? I got this side relationship. And God looks at us and says, you're an adulterer. How dare you have something else that you love more than me? How dare you pursue something else more than the the love that I have for you? How dare you forsake the offering that I've given you in my son Jesus Christ when you pursue the things of this world? Guys, this is serious. And James comes in and he says, wake up, be mournful, cry over your sins, realize Walk out of here and and, and understand that we should be distraught in the middle of who we are because we're broken and we're a mess. And he's the only one that can redeem us. But you have to make a decision today. No one else can make it for you. 
It's a decision that you and you alone have to make. Is he worth submitting to? And if he is, he's a jealous God. He doesn't want 50%. He doesn't want 75%. He wants your whole heart. He wants your life. He wants it all. And if he, he says, if you'll give it all to me, I'm going to return something to you that's beautiful and that's precious and that's going to blow you away. And it's far more, far more than this world could ever offer you. Would you guys pray with me? God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the time that we've had this morning in this place. I thank you for brothers and sisters who gather together and sing worship songs to you. I thank you for for new brothers and sisters in Christ this morning uh, that have stirred those waters in the baptism. God, I thank you for the reminders that we have in your word that, that, that wake us up, that shake us, that remind us of, of who you are and who we're not, and that we get so caught up in, in our lives, in the, the moment, in the plans that we make, in the, the things that are so temporary, and we forget what's eternal. We forget that you offer us something. If we believe it, if we believe what you're offering us through your son Jesus, that there are so many things that this world throws our way that, that, that don't matter, that just simply do not matter in the grand scheme of things because you are all that matters. And what you say to us is you say, here, Here's my son, Jesus. Watch him. Listen to him. Follow him. He'll lead you down the right path. He'll lead you to the Father, to heaven, to an eternity, to a reward that's far greater than this world. A, a, a world where there's there's no more sickness. A world where there's there's no more tornadoes. A, a world where there's no more floods. A world where there's no more viruses. A world where there's no more hatred. A world where there's no more war. God, we long for that. And we know that the only place that that can happen is in heaven with you. And so we put our hope in that. We put our faith in that. God, I pray this morning that if there's one person in this room today that has not a relationship with you yet, that they would not leave today without submitting to you, without giving it all over to you, walking in your ways. Don't let any of us leave this place today without the assurance and if we walk out of here today and life ends this afternoon for us that our eternity lies in heaven and that you will look at us and you will say well done my good and faithful servant God that's the prayer that we have for every single person here today we love you we thank you for Jesus in his name I pray. Amen.
Would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing a song. If you need to pray with someone, if you need to talk to someone about what it looks like, like what your next step is, we want to invite you to do that today. There's a decision room right over here to my left. You can make your way there during the song or after the service today. We'd love to chat with you. Let's sing. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise And to know the Savior is hard. He's good, isn't he? Do you believe it? He's good. Even when we're not. Even when this world is not. He is good. So just remember that today. Uh, just a couple quick announcements. Hey, if you're here for the first time, there's an I'm New wall out there in the lobby. We'd love to connect with you and answer any questions, give you a gift. Uh, so stop out there before you leave today. A couple other things. Uh, next Sunday, don't come here because none of us will be here. We'll be out at the park at 1030 for a worship service. So the whole church worship service at 1030 at Clear Creek Park. Um, and then uh, lunch after that, potluck lunch, we'll provide the chicken and drinks. If you guys bring a side for that time together there at the pavilion, there's a golf scramble at one o'clock there at the park as well. So if you want to sign up for that, there's a sign up sheet in the back. And then the last thing is August 18th. So like what, 18 days from tomorrow uh, is our Thursday night worship service beginning then and seven o'clock. So 
if you want to be a part of that launch team, there's a wall back there. There's some cards back there that you could uh, let us know about that as well. Hey, you guys, let's get out of here today. Let's go love God. Let's go love people. Let's change this world. See you. Have a good week.